beingtheworst.com It is Being the Worst Podcast, audio apprenticeships for aspiring software craftsmen, with your hosts, Carrie Street, and my comrade, Renat Abdulli. I want to make one thing clear before podcast begins. Some people think they can outsmart me. Maybe. But I haven't met one person who can outsmart DDT. And you think Greg Young and Udi Dahan invented CQRS? Western propaganda. KGB invented CQRS. But now, my comrades present Being the Worst Podcast. Thank you, Tristan Vernon, for recording our special KGB intro for this episode. Tristan is the son of Vaughn Vernon, who is a friend of the show and also happens to be the author of the book Implementing Domain-Driven Design, published by Addison Wesley. In fact, our own Renat Abdulin wrote the aggregates with event sourcing content for that book. You can follow Vaughn on Twitter at Vaughn Vernon. That's V-A-U-G-H-N-V-E-R-N-O-N. And check out his book by going to safaribooksonline.com and searching for Implementing Domain-Driven Design. Thank you again, Tristan and Vaughn, for your support of the show. In this eighth episode, recorded September 20th, 2012, Renat covers some of his previous obsessions with certain tools and technologies and reminds us that even the approach we have been learning is also just a tool. The focus of your design should be on the essence of the domain that you are capturing and the problems you are trying to solve, not on specific tools or technologies. Perhaps, if Plato was a programmer... He may have reminded us to stay focused on the true forms of things and not on the frameworks. Putting Plato aside, here's Renat. Good evening. This is Renat Abdulim from Ufa. This podcast I will record without Kerry because he's currently stuck in some hotel uh, with some crappy internet connection and without much of possibility of joining me. And we didn't want to delay the being the worst podcast too much. So, uh, today we will talk about ideas and design obsession. I think that's based on the course of being the worst podcast. It's a good time to do that. So far, we were talking about really powerful tool for capturing business behaviors, aggregates with event sourcing. And in the subsequent episodes, we will continue talking about that tool. However, I think it's really important to mention that this is just a tool that is suitable to a really limited set of scenarios. And I want to warn you or just to prevent you uh, from uh, getting too obsessed with this tool because the obsession with this can lead you to a wide range of scenarios, nasty ones. In my relatively short development career, I've been through multiple cases where getting obsessed with some idea or concept or technology, it causes too much pain down the road. For example, when I was starting as a developer in .NET World, Microsoft Composite UIs and Smart Clients and Enterprise Libraries were quite popular. And obviously for any new developer, the idea of uh, building modular application that can be composed from separate blocks 
which can even be configured and highly reusable, this idea is extremely appealing. So while I was learning, this idea became the obsession, it became the core design principle of the systems. And as you can guess, the resulting applications, the resulting systems, uh, they did fulfill this idea quite nicely. They were highly complicated, they were modular, they followed and used almost all patterns and practices from the patterns and practices uh, guidelines. And obviously, they were a complete mess and held to extend and work further on. Based on that experience, I've learned and tried to move on. The next obsession was with object relational mappers. First, it was uh, XPO, I think it was uh, Express Persistent Objects uh, Mapper from uh, DevExpress, and then it was at Hibernate. ORM tool, it's usually a framework that is designed to help you to persist data in the databases, as if the databases were not relational, as if they were object-oriented. But since there is a really big difference between uh, business objects that we manipulate in our code and relational table schema, because of that disparity, we get an effect called object-relational impedance mismatch. In essence, we have two different sets of ideas, uh, objects and relational tables, and moving code and execution and data between these two extremes, it creates a lot of friction and a lot of confusion. However, at the same time, at the first glance, and if you don't go really deep, object-relational mappers, they make your life much simpler. You can just almost get an object, and with a few mappings, or these mappings can even be auto-generated, persist them into the database. While building systems, I was pushing this idea a little bit further, and based on the object, which can be persisted in the database, I was also auto-generating UI, auto-generating UI actually both for the desktop application using a really nice set of components. Well, they were really nice by then uh, from DevExpress. And this UI was automatically generated for both the desktop system and web application. And it seemed to be developer's dream because you got almost a fully flexible something where you can define, for example, object called customer which can have multiple contact objects and also an array of, uh, I don't know, potential contracts to which you can assign managers. And based on this a set of business objects, business classes, the entire UI, the entire data storage and management would be auto-generated. Obviously, later down the road, this obsession with highly flexible and uh, extremely configurable and technically extremely generic uh, code, it went down the hill. We got a system that was, once again, uh, it fulfilled this core idea perfectly. It was flexible, it was configurable, but it was pain to do anything. It was extreme pain to add any business logic there or maintain or just to let anybody in. So uh, that was my second biggest mistake and obviously not the last one. So, uh, once again, the core principle, uh, the core idea that I'm trying to deliver to you, if you're getting too excited with some technology or idea or concept, it is too really to get carried away with that thing and subconsciously or consciously substitute it with the something real that you're trying to achieve with that tooling. 
So, for example, when we're talking about the business, uh, using new cool technology like aggregates with event sourcing, for example, it's not the idea, it's not the purpose. The purpose is to help business to make money, to capture the business processes which are worth capturing and which can be automated to make businesses' life easier. Capturing the essence of a business is idea worthy of becoming the central idea of an application. Using event sourcing or using service bus or using object relational mapper, it's merely a supporting tool and it should never become the core design principle. In other words, if you're starting to build a system and you start to think about how would my UI be structured or which tables should I be using or how do I use this framework, then you are immediately on the wrong track, at least in my uh, humble experience with a lot of mistakes. Because you will get the system that is not fulfilling the core principle, but is a slave to a technology. And uh, in practice at LOCAD, we see far too many scenarios where uh, the situation goes really wrong. Imagine an enterprise company that is making billions of euros per year, and it's a really successful business. But there is one big problem. This business is completely strangled by a software that was written uh, 20 years ago with some huge nice idea that was popular back then. Maybe it was using tables, uh, maybe it was using COBOL as programming language and expressing everything in it, or, I don't know, using uh, XML everywhere. The problem of this approach that shows up 10-20 years uh, is that business starts getting strangled. It cannot move forward. Uh, it just has to see how the competitors, more flexible and younger ones, pass it uh, in the market battle. And this happens just because uh, the core principle, the core focus of the software being implemented, it was not the idea of helping the business. It was not the idea and set of concepts and set of business processes that were called domain. It was a technology. Uh, another nice uh, example of uh, one of my biggest mistakes and uh, getting too much in love with the technology, it was about inversion of control containers. Some time ago I thought that inversion of control container is how you design systems because I couldn't figure out uh, any other way. And if with uh, your containers it seemed to be simple. Uh, you just take a uh, a class well, a framework, actually. And you pass to this framework a set of uh, interfaces and services. These services can contain dependencies to other services and can contain uh, complex relationships. And uh, this inversion of control container, it helps you to automatically wire all these dependencies together by injecting them, uh, by passing in properties, by allowing even to configure the system uh, without recompiling it. For instance, certain of inversion of control containers, I think actually almost all of them, they support configuration via XML or via some other language. Uh, there is at least Boo. I was writing one uh, configuration syntax actually based on the autofac and Boo. Uh, and obviously, uh, such usage of inversion of control containers, at least by such an experienced developer as I am, it gives you impression of 
design. The design is obsession with uh, such a tool. And actually, it, to some extent, it works. Uh, because this allows to develop systems that would be too complicated to think about uh, otherwise. Uh, however, when you push that too far, uh, you get such complex graphs, such complex dependencies, that they are impossible to manage otherwise, and then you start getting side effects. Uh, you start getting uh, some weird dependency resolution errors, you start getting issues where you have too much uh, dependencies in one service, like 10 dependencies, just because it needs to use all of them, and there is violation of single responsibility principle, and services are no longer uh, coherent, and you're breaking all sorts of things, and in the long run, your system is, which was supposed to be completely well-designed and maintainable, it is no longer maintainable. So once again, this is an example uh, of situation where technology or the some nice idea, some nice concept and principle, they get they replace the core uh, design ideas of the system. They replace the sole purpose of the system. And it goes earlier on. And in .NET world, I've been starting with Structure Map, then I tried Unity, then I went to Castle Windsor, then I became a really huge proponent of uh, Autofag, and then I got burned with all that stuff and stopped using it altogether. I still think that inversion control containers are quite a powerful thing if they use properly. However, uh, in current development ecosystem, they are just too overused. And I remember when I mentioned that in the blog posts that uh, use of inversion of control containers uh, is no longer an option because that's too complicated, uh, there were a lot of uh, surprise responses like, what are you using instead of the inversion of control containers? Okay. So, as you see, uh, the sole purpose of inversion of control container is to wire complex uh, services together, to instantiate them, to serve maybe as a factory. But, uh, in fact, here we're replacing a few lines of code, maybe like, I don't know, 20 lines, 30, 50 lines of uh, really simple code with uh, a dependency with, uh, that acts as a block, black box into our system and which adds extra complexity. So uh, after we started realizing that and started thinking actually about the system, high-level design of the system, then it became apparent that actually an inversion of control container can be replaced by a few simple bootstrap classes. Uh, granted, these bootstrap classes are extremely boring. Uh, they can contain, I don't know, uh, maybe 20 lines of highly repetitive code. Uh, if you, for example, look at, look at SecureS, at bounded uh, context classes. Uh, these classes return and wire sets of projections or aggregates or application services or ports or tasks. And pretty much uh, multiple lines in these wirings, they are similar. For instance, uh, instantiate uh, customer tracking projection using these parameters, then instantiate uh, user billing projection, then instantiate total customer uh, summary projection, then instantiate admin user uh, projection, etc., etc. However, this uh, single, simple and boring code, it replaces a dependency on really complex and unknown framework. Uh, and 
at any point in time, any day, I would uh, clearly prefer a simple and boring code to some uh, potentially highly exciting and interesting idea. Just because ideas there, in essence, worthless, unless this idea is our core domain. In following episodes, we will try to talk a little bit more about uh, core design principles, about the tools and methodologies for capturing like this domain model in uh, software in such a way that technology doesn't stand in the way and it's just merely a supporting tool. It's something to, that you use to express this uh, business idea. However, right now, the most important uh, thing to take away that I want you to have is that we will be talking about really exciting technologies. Uh, technologies that can, can potentially scale to handle millions of transactions per second on a single thread. Uh, technologies that allow almost infinite scalability for data persistence or data processing. However, these technologies by themselves are worthless if they don't so serve the purpose. And the principle here is that in order for these cool technologies to be worth their purpose, worth their uh, potential coolness and value, they have to be used appropriately and uh, fit in the right spot. One vivid, extremely uh, example of a situation where you have a nice combination of really simple technologies focused around a powerful and expressive idea is a recently released event store by Gregory Young. This is partially open source project and partially commercial offering. And we're actually planning to bring Gregory Young uh, to this podcast as a guest as well. However, what matters for us now is that this project, well, uh, in a, uh, essentially event store with, that hosts multiple projections and does a lot of, lot of stuff, it is open source. So as a homework uh, for this episode, we will not have classical homework about messages and event sourcing. I encourage you to Google up event store or go to geteventstore.com and grab the sources. You will find a code base that is completely astonishing. It's something that I've been learning for half an hour almost every day and it has been continuously giving me the headache because of there are so many uh, relatively simple concepts that are used to express extremely powerful things. Long story short, given the core design of a building event-driven event store, Greg managed, uh, using a team of Ukrainian developers in six months, build something uh, extremely scalable, something that can handle thousands of transactions per second on commodity hardware and is extremely clean and can be maintained with relative uh, simplicity and is extremely well tested. It actually reads like a story, like a book. And uh, this level of expressiveness and cleanness in design is something that I personally will have a long uh, way of going for, well, if I ever will be able to reach. So, uh, once again, the homework for this episode, first, is to take away the idea that technologies, no matter how cool they seem, 
they are worthless unless they are used to express solution of certain problem that is worth solving. You should never use any single technology as a core design principle. Otherwise, you might end up uh, in a lot of making a lot of mistakes like I did. Well, not that I will no longer make any mistakes, but still. The second takeaway from this uh, podcast episode is to have a look at Event Store as an example of something that can be built relatively reliably, extremely fast, six months or something like this, if you have a clear vision and if you have a core design idea that lends itself to the code. Hopefully, I wasn't too confusing with this episode. And if you have any questions and if you have any comments, please uh, don't hesitate uh, to post them. Actually, like this recording uh, was made almost impromptu, thanks to the fact that there was a lot of positive and extremely encouraging feedback on the previous episodes, and I just didn't want to let you listeners think that uh, being the worst podcast uh, is something that we got tired of. Just we got uh, a little bit too busy with carrying, but still we'll be recording it. And that's uh, pretty much. Probably uh, Kerry will be adding some additional comments to this episode. Once again, I hope I didn't sound uh, too confusing. I just wanted to make sure that, well, at least uh, to reduce number of possible and relatively painful mistakes in your future development career as you move forward. Obviously, a mistake, if you learn from it, it's not a mistake, it's just trampoline from uh, for moving forward, but uh, being aware of them and being more conscious just uh, increases the probability of uh, getting the most out of mistakes made. Okay, having that said, uh, thank you for listening to this once again confusing episode. Thanks for staying and have a good day.